0: This is Katie from wellnessmama.com. Welcome to episode five of the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. This episode's interesting fact is that people who laugh a lot are much healthier than those who don't. Dr. Lee Burke at the Lorna School of Public Health in California found that laughing lowers the levels of stress hormones and strengthens the immune system. In fact, six-year-olds have it best. They laugh on average 300 times a day. Adults only laugh 15 to 100 times a day. But today's guest has improved my health by making me laugh many times with her funny yet always informative videos at mamanatural.com. She's mom to Griffin and Paloma, which is a beautiful name. I love it. And she's an awesome blogger. She and her husband, Mike, create weekly videos on all things natural, organic, and they often talk about pregnancy, natural birth, extended breastfeeding, natural remedies, healthy recipes, and more. And I couldn't be more excited. Welcome, Genevieve.
1: Thank you so much, Katie. I'm so excited to be here, and thank you for such a warm welcome.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump right in. I would. I know you're a little bit about it myself, but I would love if you could talk about your own health journey and how you've gotten to where you are today. Did you have kind of a lightning bolt moment that led to a conversion, or did you have a long, slow journey?
1: Well, you know, I think I actually kind of had both. Um, So uh, let me take you back a little bit. It was around the year 1998 and I was uh, really in a bad place. I was miserable. Um, I was 60 pounds overweight. I was um, eating all the time. I had a very limited social life. Spiritually, I felt very disconnected. It was just affecting every area of my life. And really the biggest thing for me is I could not stop eating. And for me, my kind of drug of choice, like I'd like to call it, was sugar. And I, I'm the, I was the type of gal that I would have one cookie and then I'd want another one and another one. And before I knew it, I was eating a sleeve of cookies and a box of cookies and I just couldn't stop. Um, So that went on for actually for a couple years. And I knew that sugar was my problem, but I just did not have like the willpower to stop. And finally, by God's grace, it was actually New Year's Eve. And I kind of call it my defining moment or my lightning bolt moment, like you said, where I spent the whole day with friends that were going to go out, you know, for this big night on the town. And I was helping them get ready. And uh, and then I was going back to my parents' house and they were going out, you know, for the celebration of the new year. And I was literally going to be home with the dog, and it was just a very, very sad reality for me, but it was the place I was in this place where I was embarrassed to like be out because I felt so heavy and so uncomfortable in my body, and I just feel, felt Like uh, just a shame, basically, and uh, so I remember that day, and I remember thinking, like, if I continue eating this way, I literally will kill my, you know, this is going to kill me, you know. If not physically, just the emotional and mental pain, you know. I'm like, I have to do something. So uh, that day, I mean, I I ate compulsively the whole day. I remember my last supper; I like to call it very vividly. I went to McDonald's through the drive-through, and that was the time when they still had supersize, and I got. The Big Mac, a supersized fry, you know, of course, an extra large diet Coke and uh, like a McFlurry, an Oreo McFlurry or something like that for dessert. And I ate all that and then I came home to my parents' house and I'm like, I, ha- I have to do something. So I just started praying. And at the time, I really didn't have, you know, a relationship with God per se. I think I just, I knew that God existed, but I didn't really connect with him. And, but I was so desperate. I'm like, God, I will do anything. Please just help me. I I just can't eat like this anymore. And uh, that was kind of the beginning. So the next morning when I woke up, I just started that day forward, just um, my health journey. So that's really where it has been a journey, you know? So I started just the biggest thing for me was just eliminating sugar from my diet because that for me just created the cravings and stuff. So getting rid of that and then just eating balanced meals, that's kind of how I started out. And then slowly it's, you know, kind of morphed from there. And, you know, I started at the time, what was very popular was kind of the high carb, low fat diet. Um, and that's kind of how I ate. Cause I didn't, you know, know any better. And then as I've gone along this journey, my diets changed quite a bit. And then it just, it, you know, it really started with diet, but then it kind of infiltrated every part of my life. And that's kind of where, uh, where it's really been a journey. So, and that was 15 years ago, I lost 60 pounds within the first year I've maintained it all these years and I have not had any white sugar, you know, since then by God's grace. So. Uh, it's a pretty, I, many days I wake up, I'm like, I can't believe this is my life because, uh, it just goes to show miracles can happen.
0: That's an incredible story. And congratulations. 15 years with no sugar is an accomplishment. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, that, that's a big deal. I think a lot of people really struggle to get off the sugar. And I was actually just mm-hmm. talking to a friend today, and she's like, how do I actually do that? I feel like I'm addicted. Mm-hmm. So
1: what mm-hmm. would
0: be the biggest factors you saw in your success with doing that? Obviously, sure. grace plays a role, but what else yes. practically did you do?
1: Yes. Uh, I, um, I think, I actually have a whole video on this, and so I will put that up for people. But I think some big things that really helped me, I think the biggest thing for me was I always thought I could have a little, you know what I mean? I wanted to be a gal that would just do things in moderation right? So I could have a piece of, you know, a sliver of cake at my wedding or, you know, a cookie every once in a while or whatever. But for me, I really found I couldn't even do that. So I think that was the biggest thing was just eliminating it completely, which is hard for a lot of people to wrap their brains around. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and and that's not necessarily the solution for everyone. I'm just talking about my own personal experience. And the truth is, I still enjoy sweet things in my life. I have, you know, I, I eat fruit and some dried fruit, like coconut rolled dates I mean, to me, that's like fudge or something. Um, and now I will do raw honey. Um, and some things like that. So it's not that I don't have any kind of sweetness in my life, but I had to get rid of that sugar, that refined sugar. So that was one thing that really helped. Um, I think being accountable to people, I got a lot of support, friends, family, faith, you know, communities, just so I could be accountable with someone about what I was doing, you know, and how I was, you know, checking in, just checking in with people around it and with food. Uh, That was another thing that really helped. Um, Being sure I was getting enough liquids uh, throughout the day. I think a lot of times I was eating because I was thirsty, you know, so I made sure I was drinking enough water, that sort of thing. Uh, What were some other things? Um, uh, I think prayer, just asking for help, like I said, and... um, And just being sure that I was eating well-balanced meals, you know. I think a lot of times I would set myself up for binging because I would eat, you know, fiber one cereal that's basically fat-free and then no, you know, fat-free yogurt or if I... Ever had um, any kind of dairy products? They'd always be fat-free, and so I was almost setting myself up. So now I eat a very nourishing diet with plenty of fat and eggs and butter and avocados and things that satiate my body. So I don't necessarily even have those cravings. Um, but I think for me, the minute I eliminated the sugar, and I it takes about thirty days for it to totally get out of your system, then. You know, it really does. It doesn't call to you in the same way. And for me, the more, the only th- times that it would come up is if I was having an emotional issue or something was aggravating me. Then I would sometimes want to go to it, but it wasn't necessarily the physical crave anymore because it gotten out of my system.
0: Yeah. Those are great. Thank you. Um, I feel like there's so much sugar around us and processed foods in general, and especially to children, which is one of those areas that just makes my mind go crazy is the fact that it's marketed to children constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know both of our audiences are largely women and moms, and we talk a lot about the future generations. So I would love to know your opinion on what you think the biggest health struggle the next generation is going to face, especially dealing with maybe things like sugar, what what you think Mm -hmm. that big struggle will be.
1: Well, I feel actually somewhat hopeful, which I know sounds weird, but um, I feel like we kind of peaked an unhealthiness maybe like five years ago, 10 years ago. I feel like now things are moving. Um, the fact that, you know, Wal- Walmart and Target have organic sections and even, you know, preschools now don't want to serve juice and, you know, people are kind of getting it a little bit more. So I think that's really exciting. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still, you know, a lot of sugar that's throughout our whole society, You know, for you know, definitely. And I hear you You know, it is so sad that you go to these stores and it's like literally a a kid eye level is all this stuff that's just like, you know, filled with dyes and sugars. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's it's, seriously, I feel like those people should be fined, you know, that are trying to market so directly to children. But anyways, I do think we're making progress. I think actually... What I've seen being a bigger, uh, something I worry about more is just the sedentary lifestyle that I think, you know, when I was a kid in the summer or after school, I would literally be like, bye, mom. And I'd go outside and we just would play outside like all afternoon. We would make up games. We'd play a lot of times with just the natural stuff around in the backyard, make forts, do that sort of thing. And we were really just in, <clears throat> you know, with the earth and using our imagination or creativity. Nowadays, there's so many things through technology and I iPads and TV and, you know, video games and stuff that comes to the kids that entertains them that they don't have to use their imagination as much and we're not reading as much. And, you know, that's what I worry actually about more is just kids not getting outside enough, being out in the fresh air, being in the elements um, and using their imagination. I think that that is so important just in building self-confidence and feeling good in their bodies and just helping establish good, healthy activity at an early age.
0: I absolutely agree, and I, I'm sure you've probably seen some of the recent studies showing, even as adults, how bad being sedentary is, mm-hmm. and how even if you're if you're sitting down all day, it doesn't matter if you exercise, you're still at a higher risk for all these problems. So that's a great point. It's important to move, um, and mm-hmm. I think kids do awesome at that. They don't exercise; they just move all the time
1: exactly. when they're allowed to. Exactly.
0: Um, exactly. So I would love to switch gears to some of my sure. favorite topics, which are sure. um, pregnancy and breastfeeding and natural parenting. And yes. I know that you write a lot about these. So I would love to yes. know, how did you come to these conclusions? Because I, I feel like it's a journey for most of us and mm-hmm. it usually starts somewhere around the time we have our first child. So I'd love to hear your story.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it is such a journey. It is. I'm still learning. Um, and so for me, with the when I got pregnant with Griffin, who's my first child, I, um, I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about natural childbirth. I just remember... Growing up, my mom had a really large C section scar because back in the day, I mean, they really would cut women open. Um, and it, she had this big slash down her stomach. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want that. I don't want that. It scared me, you know? Um, and so that was kind of how it started for me, actually, to be, if I'm completely being honest. So I started researching a little bit, like, you know, how to give birth without, you know, because I knew a lot of my friends, I had babies a little bit later than some of my friends, a lot of them ended up having C sections. And that was... Someone introduced me to the movie... the business of being born. And that was a huge eye opener, like, wow, birth doesn't have to be this medical, you know, procedure, it could be something different. And then I found a local midwife. Um, and they actually were like the biggest midwife in the Illinois, they were a really thriving office. So I, I got plugged into tons of different resources through that office. Uh, and so then my husband and I signed up for Bradley birthing uh, education classes. And that opened up our eyes to tons of stuff. So that was kind of how it started. And just by getting educated and learning more, it was like, wow, I really do want to go for this natural childbirth. And, um, you know, I learned just the effects of not only to mom, but baby of some of these interventions and stuff like that. So that was kind of my journey into wanting to have a natural childbirth. It didn't go the way I thought it would go. Um, but I certainly, you know, kind of wanted it to be more natural and the way that it was for thousands of thousands of years before, you know, medicine got involved. I mean, thank God we do have C-sections because they definitely are necessary in some situations. But uh, I think that, you know, we can default there and go there too quickly in, you know, Western medicine here in the States. So...
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I actually, I I would echo that because I uh, wouldn't be here if it wasn't for c C-sections with my Mm -hmm. third. I had placenta previa and it was definitely life-saving and I'm super grateful for that. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, um, a lot of conventional medicine would say I should have had a C-section with my next two pregnancies and Mm -hmm. they were my most wonderful natural birth. So Mm -hmm. I think you're right. We just need to, um, let our body's wisdom take over sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, So I'd love to know too, have you had any struggles along the way with your journey towards natural birth and natural parenting or have things gone how you hoped?
1: Yes. No, my first birth was 27 hours. Uh, I was pushing for over four hours. I ended up needing... They were talking about forceps. At that point, I was so tired. I'm like, can I just go to bed and I'll wake up tomorrow and deliver him? Because I was just exhausted. And they're like, no, we can't do that. So then she, the midwife gave me two drops of Pitocin. And then I was finally able to push out my son. And I had a two degree tear. And so it really did not go the way I wanted to at all. You know, it was a, a lot longer than I ever desired. I had a tear. I had to rely on Pitocin. So I had to go through a grieving process after that, uh, birth. Um, and I just, I didn't, I was so stunned at how hard it was. It felt so hard and it was so in the midst of it. It was physically, I couldn't believe how physically painful it was and how far I felt from God. I really just felt like so human throughout the whole experience. And yeah, so it definitely did not go the way I had wanted it to go, but I learned a lot and I think it was just part of my journey. And, um, and my second birth was so wonderful, you know, I, so I'm grateful in some ways that I had the first experience because first of all, I can empathize with so many mamas out there that have hard births. And I also, it also made that second birth that much sweeter. And I did some things a lot differently to prepare for that second birth, you know, because really no one, you walk into that birth experience and you don't really know what to, you know, you can prep as much as you can, but it's not until you actually experience it, that you can know, you know, what, you're, what it actually entails. So, Uh, yeah, I mean, so that was definitely a huge struggle. Breastfeeding was so much harder than I thought. Again, I thought you just put the baby in the boob easy, right? Just like I thought, you know, you squat and you push out the baby and it's so not like that. At least it wasn't for me, um, with my first baby. So breastfeeding was very challenging. I have a very fast letdown. I had a lot of, uh, you know, probably too much milk. You know, my son was really struggling at the breast um, and I had to get a lot of help. You know, thank God for lactation consultants. Those, to me, they are like angels walking this earth because they have helped me so much. Uh, So I worked with them. They gave me some tips on how to, you know, position and my baby and to do different um, breastfeeding positions to help with the milk and the letdown and stuff like that. And I was able to get through that. But the first six weeks of breastfeeding, I was like, Oh my gosh, I do not know if I can do this. Like I can totally see why people say, you know, let's not do this and let's just go to formula. Uh, so that was a big struggle. So yeah, there's definitely been things along the way that have been hard, but I think it's about getting the support you need. Cause there's tons of support out there talking to other mamas, you know, watching YouTube videos, (laughs) learning from other people, and uh, just keep plugging along. So, and you do as best as you can at the end of the day. Breastfeeding doesn't work for every mom, you know, some people have glandular issues, some people have milk supply issues, you know, you do as best as you can, you know. I I don't co-sleep, we don't do that as a family. I wish we did, but it doesn't work for us for lots of different reasons. Uh, You know, there's some things we do, we can't do everything crunchy, you know what I mean? We do as best as we can. Uh, So that's going to be all of our journeys as we try to live healthier, more natural lifestyles. That's great
0: advice. Um, And I'd love to know, I feel like a lot of women, and I know I was this way when I was pregnant with my first one, um, there's so much unknown going into your first delivery and all the, the being a parent for the first time, or maybe a mom has had like you, a less than ideal birth experience, which um, Mm -hmm. mine was like that also. So what advice would you give to a mom who may be just starting out to help her have a more natural, healthy pregnancy?
1: Yes. Well, I would say, um, definitely red raspberry leaf tea. I did not do that with my first pregnancy and I did with my second and it was night and day. My uterus was on fire. My second birth. I mean, it was like so efficient. That muscle was just toned. Um, and it was just, I mean, my contractions were so powerful, you know, that it went very quickly. My second birth was absolutely wonderful. So I would highly, highly recommend drinking red res, red raspberry leaf tea. I started in my second trimester. I actually started in my first, but I started to get a little bit of uterine cramping. So the recommendation really is more to start in your second trimester. So I drank it from my second trimester on. And the last week before Paloma was born, I would do like double, you know, double uh, brew, you know, so it was extra strong. And I would drink like a quart a day. Those last. Couple days and she came out. I literally had like two hours of active labor, I almost did not make it to the birthing center in time. So, that would definitely be one recommendation. Definitely fermented cod liver oil, I think that's so awesome for so many different things. Uh, What else? I would definitely do. Uh, exercises, when this is the last thing you want to do, trust me, I resisted this like the plague, but doing some exercises for optimal positioning of your baby, because that will just make your life so much easier. So we have a blog post on that. You can go to also spinningbabies.com and you can do daily exercises that will help get your baby in the most ideal positioning. And that just will make it so much easier when you go to give birth. Uh, So that's something I always like to tell mamas. And then just having some kind of support system, you know, if you are Uh, you know, more spiritual, religious, you know, doing some prayer, doing some prep work spiritually or uh, emotionally to get that support you need, get a doula, have your husband, whatever's going to work for you because you're going to have to dig deep, you know, when you're going through this experience. And so to have some kind of touchstones or inspiration or, you know, strength or security to get you through. Uh, And then just watch a lot of positive birth stories. I think that also can help a lot too.
0: Yeah, I would agree with all of those a hundred percent for sure. Um, and kind of an off topic question. I'd love to know, you talk a lot about alternative and natural ideas on your blog. And I know you have a video with your husband doing the nutty pot and some <laughs> funny things. So what's the most crunchy out there thing that you've ever tried?
1: Oh Gosh, it's so hard to say. Um, I would probably say the one that I get the most what from conventional people now it's almost becoming mainstream in the crunchy world, but definitely was eating the placenta, you know, postpartum that probably got the most yuck. Why would you do that? Um, of all the things that I've done, um, yeah. So I think, post, you know, eating the placenta after I gave birth and I had kind of an interesting experience with it. I did it because a lot of moms had wonderful experiences doing it. I know a lot of moms that struggled with postpartum depression, with low milk supply, with terrible energy, with a lot of postpartum bleeding and they uh, consume their placenta. Most people do it through placenta encapsulation, which is the way I did it. Uh, and they, all those things go away. And so I decided, well, you know what, I'll give it a whirl. I didn't do it with my first birth. I'll try it with the second birth. And I actually found myself, I did not have a good experience with it, actually. I found myself becoming weepy and uh, kind of aggressive, (laughs) you know, like I had these weird emotions. And I also found myself um, having way too much milk. So um, I actually stopped taking the placenta, the pills. Um, I still have them in my freezer in case I need them, you know, some other time. But I would say that that's probably the crunchiest thing I've done is, uh, you know, ate my my dehydrated placenta.
0: Nice. Even though it wasn't the best for you, would you recommend other women look into that if maybe they have low milk supply or um, if they have hormonal issues after pregnancy?
1: I definitely would. The thing that's nice about it is you always can just stop. You know what I mean? You can try it, and if it doesn't work for you, just stop taking them. So that's the thing that's nice about it. It's not this permanent decision, you know, or it's not going to permanently scar you. Uh, and it's ve- excuse me, it's very quick. Like I took it for, I took the pills for a couple of days. I felt those effects and then I stopped taking them. And I would say 12 to 24 hours later, I felt back to myself. You know what I mean? So it's a pretty, it goes through your system pretty quickly. So yes, I would, I've heard too many good stories from moms that really did struggle and how, how life changing it was to have that, you know, have those pills, not to say to give it a whirl.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I can't believe it. We're already getting kind of close to the end of time. So I wanted to make sure I include the three questions that I always ask at the end. Sure. Um, And the first one is, what advice would you share with others that you wish someone had given you years ago?
1: Listen to your body. Listen to your body. Don't listen to Dr. Oz or Oprah or the newest diet craze or you know, some blogger, you know, you have to listen to yourself, listen to your body. And so I followed the low carb, you know, the high carb, I should say high carb, low fat diet for a while. And if I really listened to my body, I would, I wouldn't have stayed on that for so long. You know, I think for me, you know, after I eat a meal, can I go four or five hours without getting hungry? can I, you know, feel good? Can I feel strong? Like, listen to your body, whether it's with diet, exercise, Uh, don't try to fit yourself into some mold or some kind of paradigm that you think you should be doing. Listen to your body. If you're tired, don't work out that day or go easier that day. If you're hungry, maybe increase your fats or your proteins or, you know, play with it. But just, um, yeah, listen to your body.
0: That's a great point. And I think probably both of us as bloggers would say, even though we write a good deal of health information on our own sites, that that mm-hmm. absolutely applies to what we write is if, if it doesn't work, you know, personalize it all for you. I think
1: exactly. there's some
0: great general principles that you can take from, but then figure out what's going to fit your family.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: All right. So um, also, I always try to leave listeners with one thing that they can do like right away that's actionable that would help Mm -hmm. improve their health or their family's health. So what would be one actionable step that you would suggest that someone could take right away?
1: I would say something that I've been really playing with right now is just being active every single day and um, you know and that can look lots of different ways you know depending on where you're at but just having small little physical goals every day I find really helps me I sleep better, my mental state is better. Uh, I feel better when I'm, you know, I eat better, just everything, you know, my digestion better, my elimination, everything. So trying to have some kind of activity every day, I try to shoot for 10,000 steps a day. That's just kind of, you know, something that I've worked up to, but whatever that would look like for you. Uh, but I think that's something little that we can do. So whether it's parking far away when we go grocery shopping or whatever, or if it's instead of even driving our car someplace, riding a bike or walking or whatever it is, um, just move your body a little bit more, I think we can all do that on a daily basis, and I think it makes a huge impact on how we feel
0: awesome and lastly, what is the best resource besides of course, your awesome site um, that you would that you found for health and natural living and that you would like to suggest to others.
1: Um, I think to your audience this is going to sound like a cliche, or they're going to be like, "Oh gosh, that's so old school." But I would say the the cookbook, "Nourishing Traditions." That book changed my life. It is a total paradigm changer. So that to me was the book that kind of started it all in terms to really getting really understanding nutrition, properly prepared foods, balance, natural supplements, good water. Uh, you know, nourishing soups. Uh, Oh, it just, it really is a phenomenal, phenomenal book for beginners and learning just how to nourish our bodies and nourish our families and, uh, just live a very healthy life. Um, so that would be a resource that I think everyone could benefit having in their home.
0: Awesome. Genevieve, thank you so much for being on. Um, it was sure. awesome to talk. Where can everyone find you and find more about you?
1: Sure. Mamanatural.com is our website. We also have a YouTube channel called Mama Natural, and uh, We do videos two times a week, every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, yeah, and then we do blog posts about three times a week. So check us out on the blog. And uh, thank you so much, Katie. It was so fun to be here. It was an honor to just spend this time with you. So thanks again. Oh,
0: ditto. And I will link to everything you talked about on your site in the show notes for anyone who wants to find those resources. And I believe you also said that there should be some resources at mamanatural.com forward slash wellness where they can find your specific information um thank you to everyone for listening if you have a second please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so that you will be notified of future episodes and if you would take a second to leave a review and tell me how awesome mama natural was i would be really appreciative until next time have a healthy week